Behind the Scenes. Conversations with European researchers and innovators. Women have to be ambitious enough to think of what's the biggest I want to be and just aim for that. In this podcast, we will hear the inspiring stories and journeys of Europe's most brilliant scientists and innovators whose discoveries are having an impact on our daily lives. Here's how they got to where they are. These are our top stories. Our guest today is Alicia Asin, a computer engineer. She is CEO and co-founder of Libellium, a Spanish IT company. She focused on how the IoT can change our world, starting with smart cities and precision agriculture, among other applications. She's been recognised with the Silver Medal of the Women Innovators Award by the European Commission. Alicia, thank you very much for joining us today to discuss your work. To begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your area of expertise, computer engineering? First of all, what is it and what drove you in this direction, in this area of work? I wanted to be an engineer since the moment a guy came to our school and spoke about what engineers do. And he said, scientists, research, engineers solve problems. And that's a different approach. And it clicked on me and I decided I wanted to become an engineer. And how old were you when that, uh, that guy came to your school? I think I was around 11 or 12. And then that passion just stayed with you right the way through until the age of uh, going to university and choosing your degree. Yeah, I always enjoy with maths, physics and all those uh, technical subjects. And I really wanted the idea of becoming someone that could transform things and create things from scratch. I think I'm kind of a creator and that was the most appealing thing of being an engineer for me. Well, just explain for our listeners who maybe don't know exactly what computer engineering is, how would you describe it to a non-expert? Well, that's difficult today because when I started at university, it was 1999, computing engineering was about software engineering, about programming and create all the apps and amazing softwares that any of our listeners enjoy, but also understanding how computers are made inside, in the hardware side, and how can we make those programs in a more efficient way. Today, we have so many disciplines in computing engineer, a artificial intelligence, we have internet of things, we have blockchain, we have so many things that it's like a very umbrella career. You have a master's degree from the Polytechnic Center of the University of Zaragoza, and you're a graduate of the Cambridge Judge Business School. What made you choose those particular courses? I started Libellium before reading my master's thesis at university. So it means that both co-founders have decided I would be the CEO of the company. And it meant that I had a, a strong background in technical aspects. And in fact, engineering is a very complete career. 
But still, I felt that I needed to complete those studies with a business school. And that was the main motivation. And was it easy to transfer from one to the other? I think it was very easy because of the strong background in mathematics I have from my engineering background. So I remember when I was studying the economics subjects, the engineers of the room were always in advantage because we have or had a structure in a certain way. So I think engineer is a great background for anything, in fact. And how was Libellium conceived? I know you said you, you did your master's afterwards, but what was the idea behind Libellium? Well, I have a, a co-founder and he was doing his master's thesis about distributed networks. And he had the idea of why don't we just create a company? As simple as that. And when you are 24, you think, and all the, the 20 something people should think in the same way that you can do anything in the world. So we say, okay, it's going to be very easy. So let's create a company. A couple of months later, we wrote the status and we were signing the legal paperwork. And then we said, okay, and now what? And the idea was doing something with distributed networks. So little by little, we started crafting the business model and saying, what else do we want to do? And then one day we learned about the wireless sensor networks. That was what we all today know as an internet of things, uh, as connecting things, anything to the internet. And we both knew that that was what we want to do because we saw an amazing potential for the future and a big potential of impact in the future. And that was the most appealing thing for us. Was there anything in the setting up the company that you hadn't foreseen, something that was a a surprise or a shock or a challenge to overcome that that really took you uh, out of the blue? Well, we had a fire in 2014 and that was an inflection point because we were in our seventh year of the company and we have to move to new offices and we have to deal with both keeping the business up and running and also with something like uh, recovering from a fire. So um, I learned that you're never ready for <laughs> whatever it's ahead. You have to trust that you will be able to to overcome everything that you have to face, but you're never fully ready for all the obstacles that you will find in the in the road. So let's turn now to the solutions that Labellium provides. What problems does the company solve? You know, tell me about the societal benefit, for example, tackling climate change, saving water, because People think of the Internet of Things as as some sort of abstract, but really it's just machines talking to each other. Exactly. When we say Internet of Things, the most basic and simple definition I can find is that the Internet of Things consists of connecting the physical objects, the physical world with the digital one. And as a result, we have sensors that are controlling irrigation systems in cities and helping them to save up to 20-30% of water in irrigation. We are using 
agriculture sensors, soil moisture sensors in crops to help farmers reduce fertilizers and pesticides and increase their production and in quality as well. We are also monitoring the quality of water in fish tanks in Vietnam, helping again the farmers to reduce the amount of animals they are losing every year because they die due to the lack of good uh, water quality conditions. And we also have projects uh, monitoring the parking spots in cities, helping drivers to find faster a free parking spot. So if you think of all those examples all together, any of us could say, well, all those have nothing to do one to each other. But in fact, you always have three common elements. You have sensors because you need to measure something. You have communication protocols because that's the link between what the sensor is measuring and the internet. And then you have information systems on the internet transforming the data into information. Well, that's the essence of the Internet of Things. To look at the innovativeness of the Internet of Things, how important is EU research in that? Well, we have participated in some Horizon 2020 programs, and I think that's a good labor that the EU is, is playing because it helps to be like the glue of all the innovation done in different places of the continent and helps to make new connections that may not only help you with funding your new initiatives, but also to get to know future partners with whom you can develop business in the future. And I know that your project has been recognized with the Silver Medal of Women Innovators Award by the European Commission. How important was that to you? Did you expect that you would be winning awards already? No, not at all. I've been lucky enough to get several awards. All of them are special somehow, but especially with the Women Innovator Award, I couldn't believe I was going to be one of the awardees. So I felt very, very honored and competing with the entrepreneurs of all over Europe was a, a very tough competition. And for that reason, I, I even enjoy more the receiving the award. Do you think there's a sort of a, a women in tech label that, that sometimes is really deserved and sometimes just seems to be a little bit piecemeal? Do you think that as a society, we encourage enough girls into tech and science and the STEM subjects? And do you have any advice for younger women who wish to follow your career path? Well, I think that, yes, maybe we have an excess of uh, women in tech publicity right now, but that's because we have a huge defect of women in tech in reality. So it's absolutely necessary to correct this as soon as possible. I think it's a total drama, the lack of women in STEM careers, because our world is becoming more and more digital. Technology is going to be a new communication language. If you don't speak that language in organizations, you will be stopped and prevent from making to the higher positions. Same as if you are in a multinational and let's say you are not proficient in English, for example, that would be a stopper for your professional career. Well, I think that 
wherever you are studying today, if you don't have a strong technological background, that will become a stopper in your professional career in the future because we are seeing how technologies is melting with all the, the rest of the disciplines. Women have to be ambitious enough to think of what's the biggest I want to be and just aim for that. I don't think they need role models. Yes, project themselves as the future woman they become to be, the most successful, the highest they want to, they want to reach and try to use it as the self-role model. And you've two girls yourself. Are they interested in this? Yes, they are three and six and they are very interested. They, I was teaching the younger one to start programming with a visual program last week and, and she was really enjoying. I think that uh, they are digital natives. So I think that we have a very good opportunity to make a better job with them. What advice you might have for young Europeans who would like to launch their own company, who want to, as I said, follow your career path, but what would you tell your younger self? What piece of advice would it be? I would say something very obvious and short. Accept it's going to be hard. And I think that's a summary of an attitude for becoming an entrepreneur. Many times people are totally afraid and not becoming entrepreneurs because they are afraid of facing something very hard. Well, do accept that. There's no way to avoid suffering and there's no way to make it very easy. It's a path and it's like life. You cannot avoid uh, suffering and difficult times. Just accept it's going to be hard and trust yourself. You'll be able to overcome that and just go with it. I think that accept that it's the first step. How important are softer skills, the ability to communicate with people from different cultures, for example, or to be able to be feel comfortable with travel? How are those useful tools alongside the harder science? Well, I think those are very, very important. And I envision a future with the two very separate pathways for people that have a technology and STEM background. One will be the super specialized people because technology is evolving so deep. We will always need highly specialized people that will be the experts in a very specific part of AI, for example, and not in the rest. And on the other hand, we will need people with a technology background with the um, soft skills needed, like um, teamwork, the ability to have a horizontal vision of a company and understanding how to work with all those very high specialists and how to transform deep tech into a commercial product and how to be able to do that across cultures because those high tech specialists may not be in the same city, nor in the same country, nor in the same culture. So I think there will be a gap, an ever-growing gap for those two different path careers, in this later one, the soft skills will be even more important than today. So I think that's something to complete. For everyone thinking about a role position or a direction position or a managing position, soft skills are going to be 
totally indispensable. And do you think that Europe is good at fostering those skills? And likewise, do you think it's good or bad at fostering an entrepreneurial attitude? I think that we're doing better in Europe and especially in Spain for many years. Being a business owner has been seen as not as something nice. Instead of looking at business owners as people creating employees and creating wealth, as people just selfish. And I think that Europe in the past years has been doing a, a very good job in transforming that message and communicating the good values of entrepreneurship. Okay, we're coming towards our, our final few questions. How do you see your work impacting future generations? Well, I expect that we are in an industrial revolution right now, and I feel very passionate and motivated for being a totally immersed in it. And I expect it to be a legacy technology, something that will unlock revolutions and disruptions in all different verticals. So for example, in agriculture, in the way that we treat water, in cities, in factory efficiencies. This is an enabling technology. And I expect to see how it disrupts other industries, how it transforms all industries in the world? How can it make agriculture more efficient? How can it change the way that we treat water? How can it change the way that we live in our cities? And I hope that all this, that democracy culture can make our cities and society more transparent and finally even more democratic for the future. So I think that's a great legacy. Now, we have been creating links between our guests. And so we asked Jason Hessels, our previous guest, a radio astronomer and professor at the University of Amsterdam, to ask you a question. So here it is. Jason noticed that you are using remote sensors and would like to know if he could use such sensors to measure the electromagnetic interference to get a better measurement of electromagnetic radiation from space, because that's his area of expertise. Well, in fact, we've done something similar. In 2011, we included one of our sensors in the launch of the ArduSat satellite to the space with a radiation sensor on board. And the goal of the project was to use satellite measures for education. And they were measuring, in fact, the impact of the sunstorms radiation in the, in the Earth. So I think that he could use our sensors too. Absolutely. So it would be feasible to bring the two projects together to create a, a new outcome. Well, hopefully. That's what Europe is all about, right? Absolutely. So you're the last guest in our series, but to complete it, can we ask you to think about a question that you would like to put to the European research community? Well, I think that more than a question would be a reflection. How can we make sure that we are not losing any innovation that can become the future Facebook or Google to happen in Europe? How can we ensure that all the innovations will be taken to the market in the best way to create wealth in the Europe? 
Okay, well, thank you very much, Alicia. More information on your project can be found online, of course. Check the details of the episode for all the links and information, especially if you are interested in knowing more about EU funding opportunities for your research and innovation projects. And thank you, our audience, for joining us today. This interview is closing the first part of this series, but do stay tuned for more interviews with Europe's most brilliant scientists and innovators. This podcast series is brought to you by the European Commission and you can find it on all listening platforms. If you enjoyed this conversation, rate this podcast on all listening platforms and share it with your friends on social media.